0: And so we're in Romans chapter 7 uh, verses 14 through 25, although uh, I'll talk briefly about 1 through 13 because we really just did chapter 6 last week. Um, but we're here in this passage of scripture that I think I'll just start by reading because I can't really get uh, this uh, effect across. I will say if you saw the post on Facebook or YouTube and the description of this morning's sermon, you saw this little equation. Did everybody see the equation? There's some numbers in there. It said, 26 eyes, 9 me's, and 2 myself's in 12 verses. And as I was reading this this passage of Scripture, that just jumped out at me. That's a lot. And you'll kind of hear it. I want you to kind of hear. It's almost a rhythm that Paul is using here in this verse as he writes. And uh, so the title of this morning's message is "Me, Myself, and I." Uh, let me read you these verses. First of all, this is you all this morning, this week. Maybe. Oh, the audio's not working. Wait. We good? Check it out. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Please. Give me. Give me. Give me. I need. I need. I need. I need. Give me. Give me. Please. All right. All right. All right. That was literal footage of you this morning. You yesterday. You last week. Not me. I'm never like that. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on. Please. Please. Give me. Give me. Give me. me. I need. I need. I need. I need. I need. need. Give me. Give me. Please. (laughs) This is uh, as Paul jumps into these verses, this is this war that he's talking about that's going on inside of him, is this war with himself. And, uh, and so let's read these verses, and I want to I share this message I have with you. Starting in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. Y'all got that? (laughs) I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. We're going to talk about it in a minute. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, as is It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war. It's pretty strong words, waging war against the law of my mind You can write down three headings. We're going to talk about this morning. Um, we're going to look at Paul's frustration. Uh, we are going to look at Paul's focus and Paul's freedom. So Paul is the writer of this letter to Rome, and uh, and you see immediately this uh, this it's totally obvious this frustration. I just want to really summarize to you what he's saying, but give you a little bit of foundation. Is one who is this I? We know it's Paul, but is he talking about, like, before he was saved? Or is he talking about, like, is he just now a young Christian? Or is this Paul, a mature Christian, saying, man, I want to do good, but I'm struggling. Like, I keep, I keep messing up. And there's, there's lots of reasons to believe here that this is Paul, a mature Christian, Talking about his struggle with sin. You see, up until verse 13 in this chapter, it's all past tense. It's talking about when he was lost, before he was saved, before God changed his life. And then he changes in verse 14 and says, I am, I am this. Right now, Rome, church at Rome, while I am writing this, I'm going to confess to you that while you may respect me and I will be known as the greatest missionary that, that launched, I mean, started the life of the church in all these new places, I, right now in this moment, struggle to do what I know is good. And sometimes I do what is wrong. He's saying that. What does that mean for you and me? Uh, I want to walk you through um, just uh, a little bit here with um, some references here to give you this journey in Paul's life and how as he grows more mature as a Christian, he becomes more, uh, more aware of the sin in his life. In 55 A.D., he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 9, he, where he said, I'm the least of the apostles. A, a, a measure of humility. Five years later, roughly in 61 A.D., he wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 3:8, where he said, I'm the least of all the saints. Okay, if you follow that progression, He was least of the apostles. Now he's least of all the Christians. He's seeing himself actually less than he was because he's becoming more and more aware of sin. And then you get to 1 Timothy, another, you know, three to four or five years later, where he writes to Timothy, this young pastor, and he says in chapter 1, verse 12 I am the chief of sinners. I mean, this is, he is growing in his maturity in Christ. And we said, you know, this is part of sanctification. After we get saved, God begins drawing us closer and more and more like Jesus Christ. And this is happening in Paul's life. And as he gets closer, he realizes more and more how he falls short. And so as he begins to lay this out for the readers at Rome, he wants them to understand Um the struggle that he is in we know that as christians we never become sin less but we slowly sin less <laughs> does that make sense we are never perfect but we slowly grow in righteousness what he's talking about here in this first verse where he says do you not know brothers and sisters for i'm speaking to those who know the law. The law is the Ten Commandments, the moral commandments. What's right, what's wrong. We know. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Uh, you know. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, we we know these commandments. We know these laws. And I don't think what he's talking about here is that the mature Christian is just going to be like, oh, I mean, I'm trying to do better, but I just keep, you know, shoplifting diapers at Walmart, and I I keep robbing banks. I just can't. Quit robbing banks. (laughs) I think there's a a level of sin he's talking about. Because you remember, Jesus called us deeper than thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, thou shalt not even lust in your heart. He said, thou shalt not, uh, kill is not enough. Actually, thou shalt not have anger. You should not even think about it. And so I don't think he's talking about himself that he is is not the same Paul he was before. He is new, but he's telling a truth of his frustration. That there is a war raging in him, and there will be a war raging in every believer. That while the old nature and sin is no longer dominant, it is still present. Okay? Okay? I've grown up and I've been around churches that expect complete righteousness and holiness. And that's not a bad thing to expect. But Paul makes it clear that we are going to mess up. We are going to make mistakes. And he talks about his frustration here is that he could not do the good. I remember several years ago, I gave this presentation, uh, and I was, a, I was a, a young leader, if you will, and I gave this presentation, and uh, a good friend of mine, a mentor, um, you know, he called me after, and he said, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to have lunch with you after that presentation. And uh, he, he said, no breakfast, we went and had breakfast. And uh, he said, you know, I, I noticed something during your presentation, uh, how many times you said, I. And I was presenting on behalf of a group, an organization, and a team. And it made me begin to think and see what Paul is talking about here. That the, the greatest battle we will wage as a believer will be with ourselves, will be within ourselves. In James 1, 13, 14, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Amen. I think it was so uh, mature and good of Paul to just acknowledge this, just lay it out there. You know, like, hey, I'm Paul and I'm struggling to do the right thing uh, sometimes. And we live in our age in a culture of me, of individualism. It's the selfie culture, right? I mean, our, our, our phone camera faces us more than it faces away. I read one thing that said when we are likely to describe ourselves, Americans, when we describe who we are, we will say we're creative, we're, you know, we're, uh, we're energetic, we're smart, we're caring, we're loving. And all the descriptions are about us. We may not say and talk about our relationships with others and say, I'm a loving father or I'm a devoted husband. We position ourselves as ourselves and in and of ourselves, and that the responsibility is on ourselves. And you see, prior to getting saved, we have, we have uh, this, this, this attitude, this mindset of personal gratification. If you look at the Ten Commandments, every one of those are anchored in this, this root. Uh, of personal gratification to satisfy ourselves. Yes, and so just because we get saved doesn't mean that all goes away. Paul makes it clear here he is frustrated. And, and maybe this is why he said to, to, to live as Christ, but to die is gain because I want to shed this old sinful flesh body. I, he was frustrated. As he talks about this war that's been waged, I began to think about um the Christian life is not uh like the goats on the roof gravity coaster at Pigeon Forge. Y'all know where that is, you know what I'm talking about? Amen. These gravity coasters, Alpine coaster, you, whichever Alpine coaster, whichever one you ride, <laughs> not the Alpine Hotel. <laughs> These gravity coasters where you, you just you know, something carries you up to the top. And then you just get on. And the Christian life is just you, just, you just let gravity, you just let God do all the work. And you ride, you just show up at the bottom. You show up at the destination. Paul is saying that the Christian life is a battle zone. Is a battleground. He really gets to pretty quick to this, the the misnomer that sometimes we might say is let go and let God. And there are times we give it to God and we trust him. But this is, Paul is making clear, we've got a responsibility to make, to keep our focus in the right place. Paul is not saying let go and trust God, he's saying fight. And trust God. He's, he's saying, he's wrestling into holiness. He is fighting for purity. That's why he says at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. He didn't say, this has been a fun ride. Throw your hands up and you yell on the way down. He said, I fought the good fight. The other thing we see here is after Paul's frustrations we see where his focus isn't it, it, it we're, we're finding that when our focus is on the law which is what he said the first of chapter seven teaches us some things about the law it teaches that the law is not a bad thing it's actually not to be meant to you know you know to to just uh, take all the joy out of our life. And, and maybe as we grew up as kids, thinking, all these rules, I can't have any fun. And you, you don't realize that the rules are actually put in place to protect you. That the, the law that God gave, uh, these are all things to protect society and, and mankind and one another. Like these are in and of themselves. Good things, and, and Paul refutes this idea that, oh well, since the law makes me a sinner because it reflects on me and I can't live up to it and can't be perfect, the law must be bad. He's saying, no, 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 we're the bad ones. The law is perfect; it was meant for good. And so, once you get saved, you no longer are just trying to obey the law and be perfect and obey these rules to get to get uh, to get God's um, you know h- approval. Right? You ever feel that pressure? Like you've got to live right to get God's approval? That's legalism. Grace says, I'm saved. I'll never get His approval. I'm saved by His grace. Out of my love and appreciation and gratitude, I want to do good. The law is still present, but all of a sudden it turns from like this barrier to life to like a source of wisdom and guidance, and you want to be a part of it. You want it in your life, and you are at a struggle. And he says when we focus on the law, here's what will happen if you say, man, I keep messing up on this one thing. If you focus on that thing and you just say, I'm going to stop doing that thing, this is what Paul's talking about. It doesn't work. It does not work. The law cannot make men or women good. That's why I'm a firm believer that you cannot change the heart of a nation with laws and politics and from national capitals or state capitals, because they're all about making laws and rules. It may maintain order and it's good. It may keep safety. It may point things in the right direction. But laws in and of themselves cannot make people good. They can protect us, but they cannot change a heart. The way to change the heart of a nation is one person at a time. Through the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the good news. So that they no longer are just feeling the pressure to do right or, or not do wrong, but they want to do right or wrong Because they now, you find at the end of this, these verses, uh, he says that there's two living inside of him. Evil's right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law working me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, and uh, a work within me. What a wretched man I am. He says, "There's two things in him now. The spirit of God is inside of him, but also he still has this presence of an old, of his, his old self." And hey, maybe maybe you don't get it. You're like, "Man, they're never at war within me. I just always want to do what's right." You know, uh, you may or you might be like most of us. And that sometimes, maybe when you're, when you're filling out your time sheet, you think maybe an extra 15 minutes, nobody would know I wasn't really here or I was really there. Or maybe you'd, when you when pulled out of the parking lot this morning and you looked at your neighbor's new Mustang or F-150 truck and you thought, I'm so happy they got that car. And you did not think... I can't believe they got another new car. I'm driving one that's 10 years old. Maybe you never feel the battle. But I'm not sure I'd believe you if you told me that. The, the first step is to acknowledge I'm, there's a war within myself. I'm not going to pretend like I'm just some righteous person because I've got, I, I feel it. I feel the call to do wrong. I feel that little nag saying, lose your temper right now. You know, your spouse is wrong. It's time to let them know it. He was frustrated. He said when we focus on the law, like he can't do it. And we see at the end his it, focus begins to shift. I will use just a a, a a few cross references here before we get ready to close. And these are powerful, I think, to help you see. Galatians five sixteen says, "So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires." Of the flesh. Walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Paul says that to the Galatians. He says, They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Colossians 3 5 says this put to death, therefore. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because these the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew circumcised or circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. patience. New Year's Day had this big idea. My wife, Bethany, is, you know, we we live in about a 60-year-old house. It's built in the 50s, almost 70. She is 110% convinced it is sinking. (laughs) Not like, a little bit like, at any point, we're going to fall into the ground. Now, given, there's some cracks in the sheetrock, and when you lay a ball on the floor, you know, it keeps Harker busy for quite a while. There's nothing level in the house. And so she's been saying, I think it's sinking. I wish somebody would go under the house. And I thought, you know, I'm a man. I should get dirty. And we got this crawl space, not much space at all. And I've been in it up to about my feet before, you know, and backed out pretty quick. You know, I was trying to lie. I was hey, how's good? I said, this time, I'm going all in thought it sounded fun to get dirty and so wait I think I've got and so I came out and I came to the door I was like oh this is exactly what I wanted I wanted to see me dirty like I'm I'm this is proof that I'm a man I went through I I did take my iPhone was texting her pictures from underneath the house and uh, thankfully, I don't think the house is going to fall through. There are a few little issues, but we're not going to fall into a sinkhole, I don't think. Although I'm not a professional, I probably should have somebody that knows what a floor joist is go into the house. But sometimes in life, there, there becomes this temptation that that, that God is that, that that inside of us says it'd be all right to get dirty for just a minute. And I thought that, and then I walked up, and you know, after she saw me, I was like, next step, a shower. <laughs> I've had enough of this. I could not wait to get clean. You see, when, when Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said, put to death, therefore, whatever. does that sound like let go and let God Does it sound like, hey, right now, when he said walk by the Spirit, does that say just let go and let God? No, it says you you handle how you walk. You handle what you put to death. You decide what you look at. You decide where you go. and, And sometimes it's not just you. There is a battle within you taking you to the wrong places to see the wrong things, and you will be tempted, and you have some responsibility to not do it. I believe he's saying that 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 w- w- here's a, a an application point. You should hate the old self. You will be tempted to think it was funny how you used to be. You will be tempted at times around certain people to think that was that it was cool. But I believe we should not not just not not hate it, uh, not just hate it. But I mean, we because if you don't hate it, then you'll be tempted. Coddle it sometimes. You'll be tempted to to tolerate it sometimes. You'll be tempted to flirt with it sometimes. I think Paul tells us we should have this hunger for purity and close. And when we mess up, it should not be like it was. That was fun. I want to just stay dirty. That a true Christian will say, "Get me to the shower." That you will realize you messed up and you'll say, God, this war that is within me, Christ, help me. So his focus, he said, well, if we focus on the law, we can't do it. But if we focus, if we focus on this, if we don't focus on doing better, but if we focus on the grace of Jesus Christ, you see... before we're saved, we live a self-centered life, all about personal gratification. It's, it's all about uh, you know, my self-determination. That's all the hope we have. But he says, after we're saved, we have a God-centered life. And I want you to just see this picture. Before receiving Christ, we live a self-centered life. You sit on the throne of your life. And, we, and God, you see, the cross is outside the bubble of your life. Once you have faith, you know, Christ comes into your life. But I believe Paul still says, is saying that we can struggle, and at times we put ourselves back on the throne. Christ is still in our life. He's still calling us and pointing us in the right direction. But when we focus on Christ, we see he says, who will Rescue me, a wretched man. Who will deliver me? Who will give me freedom from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin? We find Paul's freedom in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you this morning as we get ready to close. On a message titled Me, Myself, and I, I just want to ask you who's on the throne of your life? I've introduced you to three people that will distract you more than anybody else. And they are me, myself, and I. Have you been tolerating the old self? Have you put it to death, like he asked us to put it to death, the old things that I used to do? Can we, are you focused on Christ? Is he on this throne in your life? Or have we put ourselves back on the throne? God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for the just the, The honesty of Paul to not put forward this false picture of perfection in his life. But to give us something that we can relate to and realize. God, that we as Christians have a war within. That you are at war with our old nature. That selfishness as the enemy of righteousness that it will distract us from your purpose in our life that you ask us to lay our lives down for you God we just pray with the help of your spirit and our faith that your grace does this work in our life that we can't even explain God that we will we will fight the good fight but trust you for the, the power, the energy to win. We will draw upon your power, not our power. That, God, when we are tempted, we will not focus on doing right. We will focus on you and your grace and your mercy. And maybe that's what changes our heart and changes our desires. God, help us to do that today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're going to listen to one song in a minute. I want to share just this thought for you that if paul the mature christian struggles this much with himself can you imagine the unbelievers in your life that you get frustrated with because they won't do what is right and they consistently do what is wrong That they are completely, they do not have the help of the spirit. There is no war within them with spiritual help. That we have only God's grace to think for our ability and our hope to focus on him and find freedom